Hey folks, welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream. It's Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. I am Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders. Today, it's our Ask Us Anything show, which is like an Ask Me Anything show, only with more than one person. So whether you're watching us right now on YouTube or on Twitch, get your questions to us in the conversation, and we will talk about whatever you want to talk about regarding the National Football League if you're listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network or watching this video, you should be here for the show at 1 o'clock Eastern every almost kind of weekday. Not Tuesdays anymore, but, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. And then in the off season, I think two days a week. And we'll fit, we're going to figure out just how many of these live streams we're doing, but we'll keep doing them. And we have lots of good football to talk about today with Mike Tanier, as always, on Wednesdays. Brian Knowles is here, our resident San Francisco 49ers fan, and Robert Weintraub is here, our resident Cincinnati Bengals fan. So the first thing we should ask before we get to questions from the readers is how each of you are feeling about your teams in the playoffs. Mike and I are out. Our teams took it on the chin. My team worse than Mike's team. (laughs) Slightly. Slightly. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I I liked our offensive performance a little bit better than the Eagles' offensive performance. But when you give up maybe the greatest offensive performance in the history of the National Football League, except for that game that was 73 to nothing, um, I don't think you can feel that good about it. So uh, my Josh team is – Allen in the winged T, though. Ooh, that would be impossible. Yeah. Instead <laughs> of the winged T, it was the winged Josh Allen. So, um, <laughs> it was the wing everything. <laughs> Robert, so how, how does it feel for the Bengals to finally win a playoff game and prevent the poor, unfortunate Raiders from finally winning a playoff game? Let me tell you, the, the air tastes sweeter, food tastes better, everything is different. Uh, I don't recommend any other fan base go through a three-decade drought when it comes to playoff wins, but when you finally break it, uh, it is something else. And, uh, you know, as for the Raiders, screw them. I mean, who cares about that team? Uh you know, it was it was a fantastic day all around. Of course, uh, it wouldn't be the Bengals. It wouldn't be appropriate, really, to break a stretch that long without, you know, heart palpitations, a near stroke on my part at the end, uh, and a much closer game than really it should have been. I thought the Bengals probably should have won that game by 10 to 14 points, really, the way the game went, but it just didn't happen that way. And, you know, they had some injuries on defense and were playing on fumes at the end, but got the big play right at the end the emotional release that just exploded throughout uh, obviously throughout Cincinnati and uh, Bengals nation those of us those few of us the few in the hardy scattered throughout the rest of the country and the world uh, it was really you know it was something else long overdue and uh, when you you know point everything toward winning just one wild card playoff game and, and make that I think I compared it to uh, scaling Mount Kilimanjaro at one point uh, you know it's it's not really the greatest uh, sign of great health of your franchise, but we'll take it. We're on the uh, we're on the upswing, and with Joe Burrow uh, in command, all things are possible. So it's uh, first uh, it's the first step. And look, I mean, the fact right. is, we'll you know we'll preview the game specifically more tomorrow. But we've got you guys here today to talk about your teams. I mean, the fact is, we'll debate. We can debate about just how good are the Titans. You know, the whole thing about them being the worst number one seed by regular season DVOA, but I think that you would have to be a real Titans homer to suggest that they are that Cincinnati would have rather played Buffalo or Kansas City. Right. 
Yeah, definitely not. Right? Like, despite the fact that, yes, Tennessee beat Kansas City and Buffalo during the season, if you look at the overall resume, like, yeah. Cincinnati got the matchup they wanted for the next round. They're they're in this. Yeah. I mean, I, no question all of us were feeling like either this – what do you do? The first thing you do is it's like the Rorschach test, you know, immediately. What do you say? Buffalo. Ooh, Kansas city, uh, Tennessee. Oh, we could beat them. You know, <laughs> I mean, we got the better quarterback first and foremost, I, a lot of other, uh, you know, issues and, and parts of the game certainly favor the Titans. But when you have the better quarterback, you have a chance to win the game for it. Yeah. I think we all know that. Um, and, you know, even though the Bengals beat Kansas City recently, that kind of works against them, really. You know, you want to put off that rematch as long as possible. And Buffalo, obviously, as you pointed out, uh, Aaron, are, are frightening at the moment. And Tennessee is kind of an unknown quantity uh, with Henry being out. They work him back in. Who knows how that works? You'd think he'd be fresh and raring to go. He's always dangerous, and they, they run the ball effectively without him. Uh, but still, you know, you'd rather play a team that runs it really well then passes it really well in general as a road underdog, certainly. And, uh, you know, as long as, as long as the Bengals can score some points, they'll give up some running plays and, and, you know, t- take that game script as it goes. They don't want to, you know, if you're Tennessee, you're worried about falling behind because of the way you want to play. But if you're Cincinnati, you can fall behind and still be in the game right up until the end. So I, you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that it'll be a tough game. I'm not cocky about it by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but as you say, of the three teams uh, remaining in the playoffs, Tennessee by far is the uh, favorite opponent for Cincinnati. I, I will say the, the Bills are super scary right now, but in part because uh, they scare me because I'm scared that they're going to show up with one of their bad days and make all of us who are right. promoting them look bad. <laughs> right. In Kansas City, never easy. You know, and they, they have their own ghosts exercise there, and then the Bills don't exactly have a sterling playoff record of their own. So they they have some things to work on, too. So, they're, you know, if you're a Bills fan this week, you, you're definitely on tenterhooks, like you say. Uh, bad Josh and bad Bills can show up at any point. But, I mean, you have to be you have to be cocky after that performance on, on oh, Sunday. It was amazing. Or Saturday, I should say, yeah. T- Tennessee's after us a little bit, aren't they, these days, Aaron? Uh, yeah, but I think that they – I mean, I think that I've – you know, in part they feel like I'm hammering them because I went and wrote about them and then ESPN asked me to write about them again. Mm-hmm. Like, right. okay, I'll do it again. But, I mean, I did look. The ESPN article today is trying to look for the reasons for optimism. Mm-hmm. And there are, I mean, the power of the bye week, unfortunately, goes against the Bengals and in favor of the Titans. Yes. Right. I do think the Titans are a different offense with their receivers healthy. I think that the the power of Henry coming back is a little overstated, but yeah. the power of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, especially A.J. Brown, is right. not yeah. overstated. Right. Um but yeah, I, I've pissed off the Titans fans to no end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we go on Tennessee radio now. I, I know you were on recently. I've been on a couple of times, and it's a little bit like, uh, like you know, going into the star chamber <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, they just weren't that good during the regular right. season. They, I, they I, lost to the Jets. They lost to the Texans. Yes. It's not right. You can't just line positive. item veto these games and say oh, that never happened. That never right. happened. They uh, had that sweet like four game run early on. When most most of the team was healthy, right, and they beat the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Colts, and that was sweet. The rest of the season is, 
I mean, you know, you can kind of pretend that their week one blowout loss to Arizona didn't happen in the same way that Packers fans sort of go on as if the week one loss to New Orleans never happened. I mean, that game was over four months ago at this point. So, you know, there's reason to not think about that. But yeah, we're we're not ha- we're not a big um, we're not hugely popular in the national area. Fan bases and sports talk radio hosts exist to be pissed off. I mean, if there's oh, not yeah. conflict, then what's the point? So I wouldn't, you know, I would take that with a My joke has always been, and this is not exactly true, but I've always felt like uh, fan bases are so angry if you don't say that their team is the best one in the league completely, yeah. except for Steelers fans for some reason who always seem to get angry if you do say that their team is the best one in the league. <laughs> we know better. We stink. <laughs> um so, Brian, how does it feel for the 49ers right now? You escaped the Cowboys. I in the game that was the closest game of the weekend, at least by DVOA. That was closer than the Raiders Bengals game, even though it came down to I mean, let's be honest, even if that slide draw thing works, like what are the chances of converting a 25 yard? one shot for 25 yards? It's better than one shot for 40 yards. Not better than two shots or 40 yards. And it's, uh, I think it's better than two shots. I, I would actually rather have one shot at 25 than two shots at 40, especially considering the first of the two shots at 40 could be intercepted. But, uh, not with only 14 seconds left, I would not want that. Plus, against the Niners, you're always playing for that DPI and the, and the free play on the uh, on the one yard line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they're more likely to call on a regular set of routes than on a Hail Mary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing good. I've undergone an experimental uh, medical procedure to erase the fourth quarter from my mind, so I'm on a very high note at the moment. Eternal uh, sunshine of the Niners' mind. Just, just, just take that fourth quarter in that in that negative 100 whatever percent offensive DVA, put it over here, and everything is really good. Everything's great. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I've said leading up to uh, the playoffs that I actually did not mind a potential matchup with the Packers because of, of their run defense and all that kind of stuff. And this week I get to eat my words. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is their weakness is run defense. And getting Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander back does not help that. Right. So you do think San Francisco should be able to run on them. I mean, I think a lot of the questions right now are about San Francisco's health, and that's why we're going to have David Lombardi on the show tomorrow from Athletic to talk a little bit about what's going on with the San Francisco, especially this this rumor that came out yesterday about Garoppolo's shoulder mm-hmm. moving the line, which it really didn't move the line at all. But <laughs> The Week 3 matchup between the Niners and Packers is really interesting because uh, Elijah Mitchell wasn't playing. Debo Samuel wasn't a running back. Uh, Brendan Ayuk was still in the doghouse. Juwan Jennings wasn't playing. So you can't really – and Zadarius Smith was out, and Jerry Alexander got injured uh, like halfway through the game. So you really can't take anything from the from the time when the Niners had the ball in week three. It's a, it's almost an entirely new matchup, which is very, very interesting. And yeah, when the Packers had the ball, they did well because yeah. they're the Packers, and they're yes. the great offense, and they do well. And it was Niners- a weird – combination like like the Packers ran out to a lead then coughed up the lead it was a very unusual game all told yeah the Packers had a much higher DVOA I think they had something like 95% uh, post game win expectancy they uh-huh. had a they let up a big special teams return because the Packers never do that right. and they had a couple big uh, pass interference penalties that let the Niners uh, get back into it mm. so you can look at it oh well the Packers way outplayed the 49ers week 3 so if they clean up those errors they should win comfortably or you can go, oh, man, the Niners got really outplayed in week three, and they still almost won. If they can clean up some of their stuff, they should win comfortably. Right. So. 
Yeah, I it's the it's the game with the biggest line. Yeah. Right. And it's the game where our projected line is the closest to the actual line. Oh, interesting. So we're pretty right. comfortable with the with the Packers. We're pretty forward. comfortable with the Packers, yes. But it's right. minus six, and and uh, you know because th there was some argument in one of the DVOA articles in the comments about um, should I remove all of Week 18 for the Packers or only the second half. Of week 18. I'll, I'll tell you a secret. The reason I moved removed all of week 18 from the Packers is because that's a lot easier to do. Yeah, whatever's <laughs> easier, just go with that. Yeah. But yes, they had starters playing in the first half of the game, but they weren't really trying that hard. And it doesn't change their rating that much to include the first half of week 18. It's the second half of week 18 when the Packers dive bombed that we want to ignore. Right. Um, Jim Stickschulte says, while home field advantage has been lowered this season, I still found that the San Francisco Green Bay and Cincinnati Tennessee spreads seemed low for teams coming off a bye week. Thought not minus six. That seems fine. Yeah. Minus six seems fine. The Tennessee Cincinnati one, I was surprised, was not a little higher. Yeah, three and a half. I mean, that's pretty much your three for home field, and then a half. I, I, that's that's. The national perception of the Titans, like like when people are mad at football outsiders about the Titans, this is the national perception of the Titans. Exactly. At this point. Like, oh, what are they doing as the number one seed? They, they, they. We forgot about them when Derrick Henry got hurt. So I think that's part of what they're looking at. Yeah, and I think what people assume is that even when they win and are impressive, they're not doing it by scoring forty-five points and blowing the other team out. They're you know right. they're playing it close to the vest, and that's not the kind of team that has a big spread, generally speaking, anyway. So, right. and obviously Cincinnati has you know powerful offense that can backdoor anything. So uh, that's part of it too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Question we we got before the show. Enough about your teams that are still in the playoffs. <laughs> Let me and Mike talk about our teams that are out of the playoffs. That's what America wants to hear. Boone's pacemaker asks, both Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts completed their age 23 seasons, had nearly identical touchdown to interception ratios, and bombed out of the playoffs. Why is the media narrative for the Eagles, let's consider all options at quarterback, while Jones is being stamped a franchise quarterback? I do wonder whether Boone's pacemaker is listening to a little bit more Philadelphia radio than New England radio right now. Interesting. Because yes. I do think New England radio is fairly cognizant of Jones's, uh, you know, his the drawbacks that Jones has shown. Mm -hmm. But th that being said, I will say from the little bit that I have been driving around and listening to the radio over the last couple of days, everybody is really clear around here who the bad guy is. It's the defense. Right, nobody is like, why couldn't Mac Jones beat the Bills? <laughs> right, but the, but the defense was the good guy for the entire regular season. Right, and then the last four games, but especially in the wild card, they were just horrendous. Right. Um, right. What do you think? You're in Philadelphia's, you know, so you're in the Jalen Hurts discussion. Why do you think? And I do think that nationwide, even I think there's a little bit more discussion of should the Eagles be considering alternatives to Hurts than there is to the Patriots and Jones. Why do you think that is the case? We could go into a lot of things. First of all, I, I want to say at the beginning, I think Jones is better right now. Yeah, Jones Jones was, yeah, I will better. say, Jones was a little bit better by DVOA. Yes. And uh, even if you account for Hurts running 
quality. And Hertz right. was the number one in rushing value for quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Also, while they were the same age, it does mean something that it was Hertz's second season and Jones's right. first season. Agree. Agreed. But what it does seem, and I was tweeting about this on Sunday, it's like a completely qualitative difference between the conversations. Now, uh, as, and you're right about Philly radio, like Philadelphia fans were re are ready to just completely toss Jalen Hurts onto the bin and put him on the Carson Wentz Express out of town, et cetera, et cetera. And, and all I can say about this, I mean, I, I let's be blunt. I, I think there's some implicit bias about, about this. I think that there is implicit racial bias about this. I, you know, I think that's part of it. I think that there are other factors, one of which is from the national standpoint, catering to the excitement of Patriots fans as national media is a plus. Catering to the negativity of Eagles fans is also a plus. So both of these, both of these things sell. And, uh, and there's another factor here, and that's one is that the Eagles do have three first-round picks, so you can play this game about, well, they could draft whoever they want or they can package the picks, whereas the Patriots, I don't know what the plan would be besides Mac Jones. But all I can say is, like, in, in my mind, it's like, you know, for me, like, what are the chances Mac Jones becomes a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback? Like, I don't know, maybe 40%, 50%. What are the chances uh, Jalen Hurts does it? Maybe in my mind it's 20%, 25%. But I am flabbergasted that it seems like, you know, Mac Jones has already gotten the Tom Brady sauce and Jalen Hurts is like, like we can't wait to get rid of him. And, and, and no factor in my mind really adds up to why that's the case. Uh, CCX3 says, do you have DVOA splits for deep passes for Hurts and Mac? I, I just opened that up. Remember that DVOA for deep passes is always really high because yeah. you're taking out all the sacks and all the like, un, all the the um, failed completions and all that stuff comes out. Right. But there's no question that deep passes hurts was much better. Hurts 63% pass DVOA through 102 of them. So this is of uh, 16 or more air yards. Jones only a 26% past DVOA and through 90 of them. So Jones is near the bottom of the league where Hertz is a little bit above average on the deep passes this year. Even even though Hertz does underthrow a lot of deep passes. He does when he throws downfield, it's not superior accuracy by any stretch of the imagination, but also he's got one receiver, real true deep threat receiver in Smitty and the rest of them are garbage. So so there's a lot of factors there. But I'm guessing CCX3 you're probably surprised that Hertz has a really good deep passing number. Because if we threw that out to my Twitter feed, which is largely Eagles fans, is a high percentage of Eagles fans, they would all be like, it's negative a million for Jalen Hurts because he's never completed one deep pass, you know, et cetera, et cetera. No, my worry would be the middle of the field thing. Yes. Yeah. Are they just not trying to throw to the middle of the field? Or can Hertz not throw to the middle of the field? Like you want a difference between Hertz and Mac Jones. Mac Jones loves the middle of the field, and Hertz mm -hmm. is like, hey, I hate the middle of the field. Well, I think Hertz doesn't trust what he sees there a lot. I think he misses opportunities there. But sometimes what he sees is Jalen Rager. So I, I wouldn't trust that. And just to be clear, if Jalen Rager played for the Patriots, he'd play for the Texans. That's <laughs> We have uh, Jalen Rager. We have Jalen Rager. His name is Nikhil Harry. You have Nikhil Harry. He don't play. Exactly. He, he ain't back there muffing punts He's for you. What, what, if Jalen Rager, what if Jalen Rager was a really good blocker? <laughs> then he'd be J.J. Orchego-Whiteside. Then he'd be <laughs> Yeah, I think there's also, when you compare the two of them, there's 
and and you can go to the what we've just been talking about in terms of middle of the field. Jalen Hurts at Alabama struggled in that area. Mac Jones was very good, and yeah. Mac Jones was the better quarterback at Alabama, and Jalen Hurts had to transfer away. And you know, Mac Jones has Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels at least this year uh, on his side, and Philadelphia obviously is much less uh, has much less of a resume in that department than New England. I think it all plays into it. Like Mike said, it's not just one reason why I, I don't even really get the sense that people think of Mac Jones as a, as a classic franchise quarterback in the way we were thinking about some of the other guys, uh, you know, some of the great quarterbacks. I, I think there's a it's little, hearts, but that yeah. two years from now, we're going to be thinking about him like, Oh no, we're stuck going That's to the wild up. card every Mayfield. year. What's the decision? Well, yeah. not, I was going to say like Baker Mayfield, but yeah. Baker Mayfield sucked this year. Yeah, better better, than, than, Baker. That. better than Baker Mayfield. More like Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, not bad. Yeah. If you don't think Mac Jones is a franchise quarterback, you weren't listening to San Francisco radio in about October, November as everything was going wrong <laughs> over here. And when obviously Trey Lance was the worst pick ever because he couldn't beat out, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo when Mac Jones was doing great things with the short passing game up in New England. I go back to the earlier point about we're taking so much of our cues here from fan bases and sports talk radio. You know, we're supposed to be the analytics organization exactly. that cuts right to the heart. Forget all this radio. Nonsense. I will say, yeah, Ben. Ben Volan, who's a Patriots reporter, had something this week about, you know, the fact that the ex-Patriots quarterbacks moved on in the playoffs while the Patriots went out. And, like, you know, what would the Patriots have done with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback? And, folks, Jimmy Garoppolo was not staying here. They were right. not paying both Garoppolo and Brady. If they had kept Garoppolo, there is no 2018 Super Bowl championship over the Rams because Brady is gone. Right. Right. And I think going back to what Rob said, yeah, we're reacting to the fan bases. And I think I'm in my mind, I'm still thinking about Troy Aikman in the, you know, the Thursday night game. They've got the starter for the next 18 years. And that was where kind of Jones sort of calcified. And then he had the week month of December and January and the playoff game and things like that. But it never like reset, at least nationally, it never reset to be like, oh, Mac Jones was a very, very good rookie, but not the next Tom Brady. Whereas Jalen Hurts, like, Oh, we don't know about him. Oh, he's winning some games. He's winning some games. Oh, he sucked against the, the Buccaneers. How quickly can we get him out of there? Which, you know, again, we just wow. saw Kyler Murray suck against the uh, Rams. Yeah. We saw some other really bad passing performances this weekend. It happens. It's not like the destruction of a young player's career. And Aikman was shredding uh, Hurts the entire game, too. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like Aikman, you know, it's a, he does carry some weight in a lot of people's eyes as a, as a judgment of quarterbacks. You know? The, the problem. The problem is the rest of Tom Brady's career makes it impossible to make the comparison of Jones's rookie year to Brady's first year as a starter. Mm -hmm. But actually, they're really they're really similar. Jones's rookie year is really similar to Brady's first year as a starter. You just have to accept that the chances that the rest of his career will be like the rest of Brady's career are less than one percent. Right. Can we just take Brady out of all conversations from now on? I mean, basically, yes. The ultimate outlier in every category. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it's just so fruitless to even bring him into these conversations. Jim Stickschulte says, "Does McDaniel's not being an interview candidate suggest that he wants to eventually take over in New England, and that Jones can be developed into what McDaniel's would want at quarterback?" So many people have tried to read the tea leaves about New England and. When is Belichick going to retire? Is McDaniels the heir apparent? Is Steve Belichick the heir apparent? Like, I have no idea what the plan is. Um, I do know 
that it is noticeable that McDaniels has not been a candidate for jobs this year. The Colts thing a couple of years ago soured a lot of people. You do not want to get left at the altar in the last second, especially when you already had strikes against you in Denver and how you sort of ran yourself at that organization. I think it's weird he's getting no interviews because, you know, the Raiders are somebody like, oh, yeah, let's let's try going down this road again. But he has burned bridges, I think, across a lot of front offices. Yeah, I'll be very surprised if we get the head coaching job outside of New England because of that. I mean, you, you, when you accept the coaching staff, you hire like you know your coaches, and then you leave. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't consider a candidate like that, no matter how good his his resume is. That that just is beyond from a management level. I, I couldn't take him as my guy from that point on. Yeah, and wasn't it implicit in that whole cult situation when he went back to New England that it was sort of wink, wink, nod, nod? He's going to be the successor to Belichick. I mean, yeah, obviously. It, 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 Except criminologists don't always get that right, but you know, similar to Brady, yeah. we have no idea when Belichick's going to retire. Right, that's, true. that's right. He seemed miserable last year. He seems kind of in a decent mood lately. This year, he seemed like yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to talk to reporters a little bit. Like, what? <laughs> what's going on? Have you? They did, oh, they legalized it. Was that? Is that what's going on here? No, nah, you know, why are you like this suddenly? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's not like there's a dis- like declared Belichick's going two more years and then he's turning it over to McDaniels. Oh, yeah, like we have no declared. idea how long Belichick is going to want a head coach. Yeah. Right. It's like Jim Beheim uh, as a Syracuse uh, man, you know, he, he outlasts all his, uh, you know, coaches in waiting and just keeps on keeping on no matter what, because Charles that equity, you know, just be Prince Charles forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daniel Taylor asked us before the show, which team that finished last in its division has the best chance to win it next year? And we have a graphic for this. I oh, good. I have a graphic to show you which teams finished in last place in their division. These are the last place teams with their DVOA and rank. This was horrible. This is not uh, your I think there is an obvious choice here yeah. for which one is most good likely. Right to finish first right. and it's not the one that looks obvious when you first look at it to me the obvious choice is baltimore yes yeah. the ravens i mean yeah speaking because as they, the uh, fan of the team that went from worst to first in that same division it can easily happen again and you know they'd only be talking about a game or two <laughs> making up sound like they were three and 14 this year you know right first of all baltimore had more injuries than any other team in the league right Second of all, they've got their quarterback, and there's no discussion of their quarterback leaving, unlike Seattle. And third is the competition in their division is Cincinnati and Cleveland. I think we can all pretty much forget about Pittsburgh for next year, given that they're talking about starting Mason Rudolph at quarterback, whereas Seattle still has the whole NFC West to fight with. Yeah, uh, process of elimination, we can throw the Panthers out the window because – they're a poop show. The Lions might make progress, but that's not really an issue. Giants are a complete catastrophe. You can throw them out. Jacksonville, I don't even know where to begin with that. So, yeah, <laughs> we were talking about – and the Jets. So we are talking about Seattle, Denver, and Baltimore. Anyone want to take the Seahawks on this? I don't. Anyone? Any takers? Not with that division, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think the Seahawks uh, – I think the Seahawks should be better next year if they'll Russell be the, They'll be in the mix. I agree. Yeah, I just don't think they have enough. I, I, You know, here's the one X factor. If Aaron Rodgers does indeed leave Green Bay, all of a sudden you look at Detroit and say, hey, there's a miracle waiting to happen. They, you know, they can improve enough and Green Bay can plummet enough, Minnesota and, and uh, Chicago being what they are. Uh, I'm not saying it, it's likely or that they're yeah. the most likely team, but, you know, just to throw somebody else out there as a, as a you know, 
potential. Even Carolina, if Tom Brady decides this is enough, you know, and, and suddenly Tampa's back in the who's our quarterback uh, derby and, you know, the Saints are running it back with Taysom and Jameis and the Falcons, <laughs> the Falcons, you know, they find a quarterback who, you know, Russell, you know got you know, Deshaun Watson goes to Carolina, let's just say, throw it out. I'm just throwing out the uh, the 2% variables, but you never know. I, I, I will say Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore is the best chance here to go worst to first, but at worst they were eight and nine. So it's not going to feel like they're going right, from worst to first. Right. If the question was which team is best chance to make the playoffs next year, I might lean towards Denver because if Denver had average quarterback play this year, I think they would have made the playoffs in the eighth. I think Denver had average quarterback play this year for yeah. most of the year until Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. <laughs> at the very least. But, you know, it feels like Denver is the quarterback away is what I'm saying here. If, if they get one of the big free agent quarterbacks or even one of the medium free agent quarterbacks that are being moved around and they get someone and they bring in a good offensive mind head coach. I like a lot of the supporting pieces the Broncos have. I think they, they are poised to make a jump. Just I can't get in the first place in that division when you've got the Chiefs and then you've got Justin Herbert. And the Chargers. An issue. Yeah. yeah. We've also been poised for that jump for, five years and waiting for that middle tier quarterback. And yes. they keep aiming for the middle tier quarterback instead of doing a bigger, more, a, a stronger thing to catch up to the chiefs and, and to be a real competitor rather than say, Hey, maybe, maybe this will get us 10 wins. Yeah. Right. As, as, as witnessed uh, by drafting Patrick Sertain instead of Justin Fields yeah. or Mac Jones last year. Right, right. Like as good as Patrick Sertain was as a rookie and he was very good. CCX3 says the Seahawks should be ranked second in that division and could probably overtake the Rams as their defense crumbles. First of all, that's fighting words to Brian. <laughs> second of all, I mean, the problem with the Seahawks is not knowing what's going to happen with the Russell Wilson situation. Mm-hmm. Also, the there in that in that uh, sentence is a bit is a bit vague because because you could yeah which there right yeah which defense is crumbling well the Seahawks defense is already crumbled yeah. I think yes yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we keep waiting for the Rams to just run out of guys and it's like I don't think next year's that year you know it'll happen they they're using all their all the draft picks but that's not going away now that's not going away next year it'll, it'll be right. a few years before they go oh well now we have nothing and we're rebuilding yeah. right. there will be a year where Donald gets injured yes. And their defense will crash out. Right. It will happen. It may not happen until 2028. Right. <laughs> but it's just in the NFL, it would be very difficult to imagine a player going his entire career without a major injury. Yeah. So it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's dark. Not as dark as wishing Bring me down, Kirk man. Cousins on the Broncos. What are you doing, <laughs> CCX3? What are you doing to us? That's nightmare fuel. Cousins on the Broncos. I mean, you're right. It makes sense. But don't turn the Broncos even more into the Vikings. That's, that's just cruel. That's I was wrong. joking with some Broncos fans during the fourth quarter of that Niners-Cowboys game. Are, are you not excited about the Dan Quinn-Jimmy Garoppolo combination coming in next season? Is that not <laughs> exciting you? I was talking to a Cleveland radio yesterday, and we were talking about the idea of Kirk Cousins to Cleveland. And I'm like, he's sort of a better Baker Mayfield. And it's really hard because, right, because Kirk Cousins, as I keep saying, is the player in the NFL with the biggest discrepancy between his statistical output and what film study people think of him. Right. But what film study people think of him is that he is the product of his scheme. And whose scheme was that originally? That was Kevin Stefanski's <laughs> scheme. <laughs> right. So if he's the product of the scheme, putting him in Cleveland might actually be really good. Or it might make them the Vikings. 
Or it might make let's them the stop, Vikings. Let's yeah. stop trying to make all teams the Vikings. Can we do that? We don't want a league full of Vikings. We want a league full of Chiefs and Bills, not Vikings. Stop wishing Kirk Cousins on There a aren't league. enough quarterbacks to be yes. a league full of Chiefs. <laughs> right, right. Well, the Vikings we didn't even think cooler. Josh Allen was going to be that quarterback, for crying out loud. Right, right. But we know Kirk Cousins is not that quarterback. So, I, I, I mean, I get it. Send him the – these teams that look like they're a guy away, but that was exactly what the Vikings thought three years ago. Hmm. That was it. Here's another question that we got before the show from Wet Kitty Bandit. What teams would have been the seventh seed in the last five to ten years, and should they have been in the playoffs? <laughs> this kind of ties to scramble for the ball today, where you guys wrote about like alternate seventh seed possibilities and like you know what if sometimes we had six seeds and sometimes we had eight seeds and it was based on win-loss records and we have a graphic for this also with from the last five years before they went to seven seeds these are the teams that would have won the seventh seeds each year and in general my reaction to this list of teams is Yeah, it's are. a mix of teams who are kind of like this year's Chargers. Like, that would have been interesting to be in the playoffs. So the 2019 Rams, you know, they were coming off the Super Bowl the year before. They, they would have been an interesting team for some team for somebody to have to face in the playoffs. And stuff like the 8-8 eight and eight 2015 Falcons. Can I put that my personal favorite on there, the 2017 Ravens? If they're in a playoffs already, we are denied – the Andy Dalton fourth and a mile bomb to Tyler Boyd that put them out and the Bills in and cemented the relationship that continues to grow between those two proud NFL cities uh, and Kyle Williams weeping in the locker room. That, you know, I just think it's funny. We have this question right after the wildcard weekend where the general consensus was Ugh, seven teams. Really? Maybe we should go back to five. Uh, but yeah, we can go. Yeah, my reaction was after watching Arizona get killed, five teams. Maybe we should be going to four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, right. it was grim. Some, some uh, of this is pretty rough. These are some rough teams. Who, 2016 Titans was that still Chris Johnson? I'm having a. I think so. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Oh my goodness! The so 2016 Buccaneers. Is that that Steelers team is the one where Le'Veon refused to play, right? And Antonio went berserk. I mean, that that was, you know, (laughs) who really even wanted – that team was just dying to put itself out of its own. The 2015 Jets is that one – like that one-shot year under Todd Bowles where everything went right and Ryan Fitzpatrick played really well. For the last game, right? Buffalo again, where Buffalo took him out of the playoffs. And do we really? I mean, did we really miss something this year? That yeah. year, oh, sorry, that year. That's that's one of the best teams on here. And did we really miss something by not having them in the playoffs that year? Like I, I, I definitely feel like six playoff teams was the right amount, and they didn't need to go to seven, and we definitely don't need to go to eight. And and there's probably in each of these years there's a team like these teams or two teams like these teams exactly. yeah. in the postseason. And we don't need more of those because that's what happens. You have greatness and then it sort of pyramids out. And then you have this big plunk of 500-ish teams. The fewer 500-ish teams, in my opinion, sort of the better because, you you know, all you get is once in a while this random blip where one of them gets an upset. And it's like that – but that's not the team that we wanted to see necessarily. So, yeah, you know, we used to let one of them in. Now we're letting two of them in. And if we go to eight teams, my God, we'd be letting three of them in. CCX3 says, if you include the early 2010s, I'm sure this is all Chargers. (laughs) It's actually not. 
The but, only year the Chargers would have been the seventh seed was 2010. Just feels that way. Yeah. Just feels that way. <laughs> I actually don't mind the seventh seed all that much. I mean, the, the, the problem is, is that not every year has 14 playoff quality teams. Some years have more and some years have less. And so if you if, the larger you extend, the extend the playoffs, the more likely you are going to have some of those years where, oh, great, we have like a seven and nine team slipping in here. And that's fantastic. We all need that. But I... I, I, I don't mind occasionally when the six upsets the one, the seven upsets the two. That That's fine for me because you need a little bit of that randomness in the playoffs. If you didn't want that, just, yeah, just have four teams, have them play around Robin and declare the champion the champion. But it's good that occasionally you have, like, you know, the uh, the, uh, the 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 Jerome Bettis Steelers go, going through the playoffs on a run. It's good that you occasionally have the Giants coming in with a negative point differential and getting hot. That adds spice to the postseason. I right, but those were six. Those were sixes. Those were not seven. Well, the Giants were a division champion, yes. I believe. In right. Don't bring up those Steelers. The Jerome Bettis Steelers, Steelers in front of me ever again. Yeah. I can't give you an example of seven because it hasn't happened yet. But right. it will happen right. one day, and that will be okay. The the, <laughs> the problem the problem I have with seven is that it feels really really strange to give one team the bye week. That seems like a massive advantage yeah. uh, for the for right. the number one seed. When you had two teams of the bye, that made sense. When even back in the '70s, where you had the three divisional champions all have the bye, and then two wildcard teams playing each other, at least you could argue all well, the wildcard teams need to do one extra thing to get that, that made sense. Seven playoff teams just doesn't make any sense from a, from a formatting point of view. I don't mind the quality of teams getting in. I think we've gotten a little bit unlucky that the Steelers and last year's Bears have happened to bend those seven those seven seeds. But the fact that it's seven and not eight or six, just seven is a is an ugly ugly number. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of Steelers on this list, too, just as I look at this. Like the Steelers were oh, historically, it's ridiculous how often the seventh seed would have been the Steelers. Like if you go back in time, 2013 Steelers, 2012 Steelers. Mm -hmm. Like I did an article on this last year or two years ago when they announced the start of the seventh seed. And it was like by far the like most common team that would have been the seventh seed was the Steelers. Oh wow. When you never have a losing record, you know, you're always right there at the cusp anyway, or at, right. at worst, right there at the cusp. So it makes sense. Yeah. And I could actually see the NFL looking with that large Steelers fan base nationally, et cetera, saying, oh, if this is what we do, we scoop this a team like this up more often, we get more eyeballs on the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, from a content creator standpoint and from a gambling standpoint, and yeah, yeah. In the league, you know, it makes all the sense in the world that you do it. It's just you have to put up with a certain amount of direct games. And, uh, you know, I think – before they play, everybody's like, oh, cool, we get an extra game, and there's a Monday night game. This is all great. Then when it's 28 nothing in the second quarter, like, ugh, you know, put this out. I don't know if it's just because of the number of blowouts, but I felt this way last year, too, and I realize this is complaining about excess. Yeah. Six exactly. island games. Six island games in a weekend is really tiring, and I know it's because I do this for a living, so I have to watch the ball. Mm -hmm. It's tiring to do six games in a weekend it, it right. is. and i know we are not putting roofs on in the winter etc here we're watching football and it's a too much cake <laughs> but that's exactly it but of course they're not doing it for us they're doing right, it for fans it. who can take or leave certain games but yeah i i was worn out I, definitely last year when it was like six right across it wasn't even the monday nighter i was wiped out by the end of it you know? but i think doing the game on the monday night was a success I think doing the game on the Monday night is a lot better than the Saturday triple header. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think ESPN did a good job with it, having the Mannings do a broadcast and then having the outside the lines broadcast with the NFL live team and the Vegas guys. That's what yeah. I watched. And uh, it would have been better if it was a better game. Right. No doubt. But 
if they're gonna do the six, I like having the Monday nighter. Yeah, I agree. Give yourself a little gap in between and and digest those other games, and then you can ramp back up for Monday night. But you know, we're complaining about this. Wait till college football goes to a twelve game playoff, and some of the direct <laughs> we're gonna have to live with that. But, you know, but we're but I go to that as a fan, so I take it, leave it. Have an extra cocktail, all those other things. So again, that's, this is the inside baseball sitting around the, the the media center, eating free food, complaining, complaint. But it's but that's how we feel. The top four teams would get a bye week if in, they do twelve teams in college. college football. Yeah. Well, they're still arguing that out, but yeah, theoretically that would be the case. Yeah. So the and teams then, that make it now would instead have a bye week, and then you'd have eight other teams. Right. And ideally home games. Uh, certainly it'd be great to have home games in the first round and the second round. So you could, you know, have a case where you have whatever Georgia going to Michigan uh, and playing in Ann Arbor or Wisconsin. Right. And you could make a rule that at least one group of five team has to be in every year. So oh, that's one of those teams has a shot as ridiculously distant as it would be. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun, you know, to have that underdog get that NCAA basketball quality to it, at least, a, you know, a, a glimmer of it, a scintilla of it. I wonder how I wonder how college basketball writers feel during that tournament in terms of being exhausted, by the way. Oh, I've done it. It's tiring, believe yeah. me. You get those three fourteen games, you know, at 9.30 at night when you've already seen three games. It's uh, it's rough, you know. I, I did it for, like, I did it very intermittently uh, for two years, but not, like, you have to cover everything. Yeah. Did you have to like and cover like what, what were you just covering everything at your site? Did you do you a site, yeah. I did four games at a site, and you know, and the same thing what you just said. It's like then you remind yourself, hey, I'm watching the NCAA tournament and getting paid right. to do it. You know, <laughs> there's there's worse things in life. So, you know, a lot of it is just it's it's uh, white man's problems, whatever first world <laughs> problems. I mean, let's not really complain. And the same thing with the extra playoff football games. All right, so there's a couple of dogs, but at the end of the day. You know, there's there's bigger problems in the world than that. Right. Yeah, and a lot of people do feel like divisional round weekend is the best weekend of football, and there there are really good games this weekend. Always been the case. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even when it was six, even when it was five, wild card weekend, you know, had dogs in it, and you know, there were a couple of games like, ugh, really, let's just move on to the to the main affair, divisional round, and, and championship weekend. I mean, there so. were a lot of. There were a lot of blowouts this year, but I don't think having the seventh seed is the reason why there were a no, lot of blowouts. And historically, there have always been blowouts in the playoffs, which is why I ran that best playoff games table that had things like when the Bills beat the Raiders 51-3 to and when the 49ers beat the Giants 44-3 to or mm. it was the other way around. Right? There's, there's one game where the Giants beat the, destroyed the 49ers in 86 and then the 49ers destroyed the Giants in 93. Yeah. And there's stuff like uh, the Giants Vikings game, right? That was in there. The, yeah, and the Jaguars over the Dolphins yeah. in Marino's last game was 62 to seven. And I mean, there have always been blowouts. And I mean, this is what I was one of the things I was trying to point out on Twitter was um, as much as I'm sure both Philly radio and New England radio are everybody's losing their freaking minds <laughs> about the future of those franchises. Mm-hmm. I think that the two young quarterbacks still has a future. Like, don't. Like blowouts are not franchise enders. Like there have been lots of teams that didn't even have Joe Montana at quarterback that got blown out in the playoffs. And I mean, I brought up the example of the 92 chargers got absolutely destroyed in the playoffs. And two years later they were in the Super Bowl with the same quarterback. So when they got absolutely destroyed, but still the point, the point stands. (laughs) They made it. it. The Super Bowl, you know, 
Right. I mean, just two years ago, the Patriots lost at home to the Titans. They got crushed. Last Brady pass was a pick six. He was mm-hmm. out of there. It's like if that's a franchise ender, you know. You, and here you are, two years later, you're back in the playoffs. It didn't end well, but I mean, come on, you know. Let's yeah. keep uh, things in perspective. Any Patriots fan complaining about anything is grotesque. Much less, yeah. <laughs> Brian, we're going to have to do an update on the franchises, uh, the the dynasty article, but. Does this mean technically by the rules of that article, the Patriots dynasty has continued? It has not ended yet because they only had one down year in between. And you're allowed to have a down year every now and again. It, it just It's transitioning to an all Belichick uh, dynasty. That's the connecting tissue at this point in time. Interesting. We'll see, we'll see how the Patriots go from here on out. But yeah, if, if you just reload and don't spend forever in the wilderness, you keep going. It's like when the Niners went from Montana to Young. That's one thing because they never really stopped. Right. They had the one year where they didn't make the playoffs, where they would have been the seventh seed, interestingly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I do have to readjust it for now, for now the seventh seed, because now as wild cards are getting more and more and more uh, uh, frequent, I might have to adjust the baselines a little bit for that. Right. Todd Singer said on the anti dynasty side, the Browns didn't make the playoffs this year, which continues the Browns anti dynasty. Yes. Yep. Correct. You got you, you. You're allowed to have one up here before your anti-dynasty. <laughs> and the Browns have not yet been able to string together two competent seasons. So you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, you know, they they congratulated me on Cleveland radio for our preseason pick that the Browns would made the playoffs. I, I pointed out by our numbers, the Browns were better this year yeah. than last year. Wow, they were better running the ball. Yeah, they were yeah. better on defense. Mm-hmm. The problem is. First of all, that they didn't win as many games. Expectations. Second of all, that the thing that was not better this year is the most important thing on the team. (laughs) That's the quarterback. Right. Right. I, 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 you know, I wrote that essay for the Browns this year about how it's like, how could you have them, you know, uh, barely making or missing the playoffs when this is, you know, the obvious threat to the Chiefs this year? And uh, I went on several radio stations and said, look, you know, it's possible, but and our numbers, you know, can be interpreted in several ways. But don't bo- go buying those Super Bowl tickets yet, my <laughs> friends. And uh, you know, it played out the way we thought it would. Uh, we look prescient in that case for sure. Hmm. Well, you we have to ask if anybody else has questions. Hey, uh, if there are other reader questions, we'll take them or ask us anything. Or uh, right. otherwise, we'll come back tomorrow and we'll preview the big weekend. <laughs> it is big. I uh, I just want to say thank you for everybody for uh, all your well wishes out there who uh, yeah. who gave me uh, congratulations and and texts with the exploding confetti and all that kind of stuff. Again, it feels a little strange to get a congratulations just because you want to finally win a wild card game by a touchdown oh. over a mediocre team. But you know, we'll take it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that's what you were talking about, but that's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you got that. <laughs> I've got to get my mouth shut here. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you get that experience man because you know now i would like to have it would be nice to eventually see detroit fans have that experience agreed that's very true yeah they deserve it how long has it been since detroit has won a playoff game 1991 or 1992 was it so it's it's two i think because we were the longest and yeah i think they oh no maybe it is 91 91 season 92 i think it was yeah yeah so it's been 30 years Rebuilding since 1957, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> yes, Bobby Lane. <laughs> uh, Here, here's one question before we go. Yes. 
Is it surprising that no new coaches have been hired yet, or is the process seemingly moving more slowly and deliberately than years past? It is. I feel like it's it is a little moving. slower, but part of it is that the whole thing is postponed by a week because the season was a week longer. Yeah. Agreed, but it seems like by now some team will have jumped on their guy, and no one is no one is even close to it. Sounds like jumping on their guy. Incidentally, it was 1992, so the 1991 playoffs. The uh, Lions beat the Cowboys, Troy Aikman, and the Cowboys oh, with the help of Eric Kramer at quarterback, Barry Sanders at running back, etc. Final score, 38-6. to I don't remember the details of that game, but it must have felt a little bit like we saw this weekend with the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, and yet you know what the Cowboys? Not a franchise killer. <laughs> no, no, that's right because they were on their way up at that point. Yeah. Worked out okay. Yeah. Um, do we think uh, just to go back to that coach question? I mean, do you think that some of that is is Jim Harbaugh related, and that people were waiting to see, you know, uh, with the smoke come out of the uh, chimney there, whether or not he was willing to leave Michigan, and uh, that meant he would be available for any of, and it might be the case for the teams that might not be in Harbaugh sweepstakes. It may be that the the, the the coaches that they're thinking of upping to head coach are guys who are still in the playoffs. Still around, yeah. And COVID has something to do with it, too. I mean, a lot of this is sort of delayed by, you know, how yeah. they can get these guys. But you know, there's been a lot of discussion of, like, Leftwich and Todd Bowles, and they're still in the playoffs. And McDaniel, right. I guess, from San Francisco has gotten interviews, and he's still in the playoffs. And Brian Callahan. Um, Brian Dayball. And, Dayball, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I know that the Bears are going to make this big, elaborate show being super thorough. And Mara is going to be elaborate, super thorough, and things like that. So, well, and also, the, a lot of these teams have to hire their GM first in that, in that scenario, too. So they're true. probably thinking, let's get right. it one before As you other. pointed out, Mike, today in walkthrough, like, we don't know anything about these GM candidates. Like, no. these are guys who've been in front offices, well, guys and women who've been yes. in front offices who we don't really – you know, you can have an opinion about an offensive coordinator's performance as an offensive coordinator, but you don't know anything about the assistant legal, anal you know, analyst to the salary cap guy. Right. This guy stinks, by the way. <laughs> and somebody can slide into our DMs and give us this dude is great, blah 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 blah. It's like you're you're just you're just passing a letter of recommendation <laughs> on, or you're passing on a piece of information. Heck, I could have had a drink with him or whatever. Oh, he's phenomenal, but like. I don't know what he does, you know, right. their bosses know what they do. They know what they do. And it's very much like a letter. You get to the letter of like uh, of introduction from John Lynch or from Bill Parcells or from whatever, or Andy Reid. And that's what you go to these things with. But yeah, those guys got to get hired. When I said a pantomime of being thorough, I think they're genuinely being thorough, but like they're, they're definitely want to put on a show being thorough too yes. for everyone. It's like, look, we interviewed this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And that's slowing a lot of these teams down. I'm just, Surprised the very impetuous, like the Jaguars, who've had months to think about this, didn't impetuously jump on somebody. Well, one thing is for sure, no matter how thorough they're being and how obscure the the eventual hire, local sports talk radio will have an opinion on him, and it'll be yes. negative. And everyone will know for sure, yes. for sure, what's going on here. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exclamation points at the end of every opinion. And Todd Singer is right. The Jets and Jaguars have been to the conference championship game three times each since the Cowboys last were in the conference championship game. I was a little bummed given that my preseason pick was the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC and that I hold a Vegas ticket for that to happen. I was a little mm -hmm. bummed. Now I, now I need the Bills to go to the Super Bowl to make money. 
I have I had Chiefs Packers, you know, the the, the classic. I mean, still it was strong, good. But it's still yeah. still certainly up there. Uh, you know, I but it, I had Patriots Packers for 20 years assuming Brady and Rodgers would finally meet at some stage in the Super Bowl and it never happened incredibly enough. So I'm just waiting for one of those two to get tripped up along the way. It would be so, nice because we didn't get to have Mahomes Rodgers during the regular season. Yeah. Now. COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It, it, uh, it does seem like you know it's sort of faded. You know, the young you have to have the young gun, but maybe Josh Allen is saying I'm the young gun and not uh, Patrick. But it would it does feel like the two of them have to have a you know a duel in the street to finally decide you know who's the uh, who's the fast draw champion uh, at high noon or at six p.m. Eastern time. Six p.m. Eastern. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, wish, I wish that was a Saturday night game, so I wouldn't be on deadline and I would just be in the bar like jumping and. But it'll be fun to watch again, no matter what. Yeah. You know, finally you miss stuff watching in bars, just in terms of like uh, you know details uh, from the production or the you know something that Aikman uh, oh. or Romo or whoever are saying. Do you not? Uh, miss I never anything? know what the I never know what the announcers are saying, unless yeah. it's like the Thursday night game. And I, I mean, do you it. care? I guess it's, the, it's, it's the not real. usually what I do. I mean, like like I miss. I, anyway, I could get into it, but like having four TVs at one o'clock trumps anything because yeah. like, i know exactly what's well, happening multiple, all these a regular sunday is different i mean for yeah. the playoffs you know for the playoffs no i i gotta be at home or yeah. if, i gotta be sober if i'm on deadline guys yeah but you know if i'm not kessel 12 says how are we not getting a dallas buffalo super bowl when hollywood's favorite thing now is to regurgitate stuff from the 90s we are regurgitating <laughs> stuff from the 90s that's the entire san francisco playoff run and that's where the conference championship game would be against the concept of salary cap hell itself to complete the uh complete the trio of the nine of the 90s 90s experience wait the concept of salary cap hell itself is the vikings so that can't be done well there's because <laughs> they're they're about to fall off a salary cap cliff in a couple of years maybe yeah. they would be the team of the conference championship <laughs> I just want to know which player is going to forget his helmet on the sideline uh, in this year's Super Bowl to really run it back to. Uh, to <laughs> I like it. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Devin Singletary. It's right here, buddy. Come on. Coach Stefanski, thank you for showing up. We said nothing but great things about the Browns. Good to have you on the on the chat. Good luck <laughs> figuring out what to do about your quarterback this offseason. Yeah, yeah. We have we have opinions. Well, I you mean, know, and – Now's the time. I mean, Cleveland didn't finish last, but they did finish tied with the Ravens, I think, at the end of the day. And, you know, they certainly have every possibility if they get even halfway. I mean, we should remember Mayfield was injured a lot this year. Yes. He's going to be in a massive chip on I his said shoulder. The, the first thing I would want about Mayfield is I would want a doctor's report. Yeah. Right. You can never predict them in any capacity without knowing he's fully healthy. And even fully healthy, it's not like he's great. But they have so many other good players, and their defense played you know, so much better this year as to what we expected and, and to for the fact they had like nine new starters on that unit. Uh, you know, they're going to be a force. And if they get even halfway decent uh, play at quarterback position, they'll be in the they'll be in the picture. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. Unfortunately. But yes. Yeah, he's he's our guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, oh, my goodness. All right. All I right, I'm going to close it up, even though the coach just arrived. Yes. Coach will have to watch tomorrow when we preview the um, – when we pre- tomorrow we'll be back to preview the divisional round games. We will have Tom Gower here, our resident Titans fan. We will be joined by David Lombardi from the Athletic San Francisco to talk about the 49ers. We will also preview the Sunday games. Um, 
we'll have to check on that playoff quarterback thing another time. Sorry about that, Hitchhiker's Pie. Yes, yeah. Come back tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, on all of these uh, sources of content, Twitch and YouTube and uh, Twitter and Facebook. Go 49ers and Bengals. Mike and I will see you again tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern. So long, everybody.